Just a quick break to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. I'm talking no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element can help you to not only reach your highest performance goals, but also will fuel you in the day-to-day to live your healthiest and most efficient life. Put to the test, Element has been used by the U.S. Olympic team, NFL, NBA, NHL, special force teams, and hundreds of thousands of humans who are striving to live their healthiest life. I've been using Element every single day for the past few months, and whether it's gearing up for a hard track workout or trying to focus on some podcast work, I always feel better, more alert, more hydrated after taking Element. You guys can get a free Element sample pack with any purchase through our custom URL. All you have to do is go to drinklmnt.com slash the running effect my favorite flavors are watermelon and raspberry salt uh would definitely check those out to get started element offers no question asked refund so you can try it totally risk-free today if you don't like it they will give you your money back no questions asked guys i'm confident you guys are gonna love it again go to drinklmnt.com slash the running effect to get your free element sample pack with any purchase okay let's get back into today's episode Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect podcast with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic, and the reason I say another is because we have been releasing an episode every other day, and the easiest thing you can do to help support the show and support its growth is to give us a five-star review and a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The majority of you listening right now have not done those two things, so I'd greatly appreciate you giving us a follow and a five-star review to help support us and our growth, and something that every single one of you can do right now is to share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend, a family member, or a teammate. In doing that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. And speaking of someone who is going to get you guys inspired and impacted today, today on the podcast is the one and only Mia Barnett. Mia currently competes and attends the University of California at Los Angeles, which is way better known as UCLA, where she has cemented herself as one of the top female distance runners in the NCAA. Prior to transferring to UCLA, Mia ran for the University of Virginia, and Mia currently holds PRs of 206 in the 800, 410 in the 1500, 433 in the mile, and 914 in the 3K. This conversation was informative and extremely fun. It was awesome to go through Mia's career, and also we kind of get deep at parts into some philosophical topics, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I know you guys are going to find value from this conversation, so I won't drag this intro out any longer. I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the one and only Mia Barnett. Mia, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. So I got to ask you, uh, right now, I think the pen relays are going on. There's like a bunch of different meets going on throughout the country. How much do you follow NCAA track when you're not like competing at the race? Oh, I follow it like every weekend. Like I love it. I'm such a running nerd. Like I know what everyone's running. Um, I just love following the sport. So no, I've been following the pen relays and it's been really exciting. (laughs) Was there a particular race growing up in high school in California, like a collegiate race that growing up you watched, you followed, and you were like, I'm looking forward to running there one day? Like outside of the NCAA meet, obviously. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say the NCAA (laughs) (laughs) So you took that, but I will say, yeah, I would like watch the NCAA meet um, after every, because like the California state meet was like right before it. So then a couple weeks after 
was like NCAAs. And so um, it was always really fun to watch that post, like the state meet, because it's kind of like the NCAA style where you have to go through so many rounds to make the final. And I would always just like dream of making it one day, watch like the YouTube videos of the races and really follow along. But I feel like in high school, I wasn't too aware of the collegiate meets, um, just predominantly the NCAA meet. If you could pick, so those who don't know, the NCAA meet like every year is at Hayward Field and maybe rightfully so, like it's an incredible uh, venue. This year it'll be in Austin. I feel like it hasn't been in California in forever. If you could pick a California track venue to have NCAAs at, what would it be? Oh man, I'm going to say UCLA. I okay. think it's a very ungraded track. Um, I was, I've obviously like been to UCLA a couple times like growing up and um, just like for random occasions, like to visit the school. But um, I think it's a really beautiful track. I'm very lucky I get to train there. There's a lot of stand space. Um, I'm surprised there's not a lot more bigger meets that are held there. Um, it's real. It's a really great track. And I think there are some pro meets starting up there um, this year because of the Olympics in 2028 or something like that. So um, I think it UCLA would be the best track. Maybe Mount Sac. I actually have not seen the newly renovated Mount Sac yet. Um, I will be for Pac-12s in a couple weeks, but um, I've heard good things about that one too. I just haven't seen it since it's been redone. (laughs) Speaking of LA 2028, that used to seem like so far away. And now that it's like only five years away, I say only five years, but like time just flies by. Is the city of L.A., like, do you feel that they're preparing for this? Because they prepare for these events and Olympics, like, years ahead of time, or is it still, like, a little early to, like, be getting excited for the Olympics? Um, I haven't heard too much about the Olympics coming up. Um, I know there's been, like, some conversations about, like, using UCLA as, like, an Olympic village or whatever, but I don't know how actually true that is. That <laughs> just could be rumors, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to have it here, though. I think it's going to be a great, really fun, exciting Olympics um, to watch and hopefully be a part of. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, not to get too ahead of myself, but, you right. know, you have to have dreams and aspirations. How right. meaningful would that be to make your first U.S. Olympic team and make it when it's in your very own country, but also in the city where you grew up and love so dearly? Oh my gosh, that would just be incredible. I have so much friends and family here or uh, or they're like close by. And like, if I got to go to the Olympics and like represent my city, represent my family and just like the sport I love so much, would if that would be a dream come true. Um, I'm not like super strict on myself. Like I have to make the 2028 Olympics because that's where I think things can go downhill is if you get too fixated on that. But that would be a super amazing experience to be a part of and something that oh my gosh would be a dream come true (laughs) this is like when this podcast clip gets clipped and put on nbc and it's like (laughs) mia barnett like five years ago (laughs) that's totally what they do (laughs) i know yeah running effect exclusive so get out there (laughs) exactly so i mean i guess that's kind of a follow-up question as cliche as it might be how important to you as an athlete and as a runner is it to set those big dreams and aspirations and while i doubt you think about this thing every single day like you also have those dreams and aspirations for this season and cross country and potentially next track or you know your ncaa career as a whole like how important do you think it is to set a big goal set a big aspiration and then take the daily steps and work to get there right i think something i kind of came to the realization of like earlier this year or after my cross country season in the fall was 
um, to not actually be so fixated on specific goals. I think it's good to have like pretty broad ones, like make the NCAA meet, just compete as well as you can. But I think before, um, like in high school, for example, I was really fixated on these certain time goals I wanted to hit. I wanted to go in my senior year, I wanted to go sub 440, um, sub 10 minutes in the two mile and sub 210. And I did hit all of those goals. But then at the same time, I kind of like reflected back on that season and I realized maybe there could have been a little bit more done there, but I was like almost capping myself or limited myself or I was very satisfied with um, what I had done because I reached these goals in my head. So I think not being tied down to goals is very important because I think goals can almost limit yourself in a way. Um, But just, I guess, hitting daily goals of, you know, hitting your mileage, doing whatever you can to recover and just be the best athlete you can be, I think is the most important. Um, Obviously, you need to have like a broad measure so you know what to hit in workouts and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think it's um, good to just kind of like let yourself go with the flow and go with how you're feeling and how your body's reacting to training because, um, I think being too strict and rigid on yourself is when um, things can like spiral a little bit or you can get too fixated on it to where you're like missing, you're missing something. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense. No, absolutely. I think another way of saying what you're saying there, uh, at least how I interpret it, is like focusing on the process rather than the outcome and not Mm -hmm. getting, yeah, too strict about a specific goal because that's when it can be detrimental to not only you as an athlete, but you as a person, if you're not, you know, living up to that goal that you set, because running is just so unpredictable. And it's, you know, the the state of running and what you do to be a world-class runner, it's like, just inevitably, you're going to come across injuries and setbacks and bad workouts. And it's like, if you are too strict with yourself, that's when like burnout happens. No, exactly. And I think another thing that um, I've been really focusing on is like, just competing as best as I can, versus like trying to hit a time, because um ultimately racing is about competing with the bodies that you're with and so i think um just not worrying about like the time and just focusing on um competing with who's with you on the line and that can mean like going out in the front and leading it and that's how you think you're gonna beat your competitors or that could be sitting and kicking um that can come in all ways and shapes and forms but like ultimately i think fixating on time goals or like being super strict on things you have to hit will um, just, I don't know, make it hard to mentally stay in it, the sport. Mm-hmm. Speaking on like some mindset shifts, you kind of talked about a mindset shift there between high school and college over the past, mm-hmm. like two years that you've been in the NCAA, what are some of the biggest mindset shifts that have happened for you personally from high school to college? I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but in high school, it was so time oriented for me. Um, obviously I wanted to be one of the top in the country, but I think I was just so focused on the times. And so when I got to college, um, it was almost like a blank slate. Like I did not know how fit I was. I did not know um, where I was at, but I was just gonna go and compete with whoever was with me on the line. And and ultimately that brought me to a lot bigger jumps in my times and big PRs really on in my collegiate career. So um, I think that was honestly the biggest mindset shift and also, Another thing is not everything had to be perfect in order to PR. Um, I think at my time in Virginia, we raced a lot and like every weekend. And like, I really had to focus on just being as mentally sharp and present as I could for every race that was given to me. So I think um, really worrying, really focusing on just, it doesn't matter what, how your body feels, how training's been going you're going to get on the line, you're going to compete with whoever's on the line. I think um, 
my time at Virginia really taught me that. And because um, I was, you know, the ACC is a tough conference and you're seeing each other every weekend and competing against the best girls. So I think that made me really mentally strong um, competing and handling grounds and um, just going through that week by week. Because in high school, you, ha- I had so much like of a gap um, where I wasn't racing or I was just like training and, you know, then I felt like really mentally sharp and fresh for races. But I think in college, it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like you're just going to go and compete on that day. So I think that's been like, despite whatever circumstances are going on. So I think that's been the biggest mental shift for me. And um, collegiate racing has just made me a lot more mentally strong. We're already kind of pretty deep in discussion and conversation, but I'm going to put a pause on this and take us all the way back to your start in the sport of running. Can you take me through how you got started in the sport and also what your first impressions of the sport were? I come from a pretty standard running background. I was a soccer player. Um, I did the whole AYSO club soccer thing. Um, And I was always pretty fast on whatever team I was on. Um, And my high school I was on like I was on my middle school team I was on a club team and my middle school coach she told me she's like hey I think you should go and try cross country like you're really fast I could run all around the whole field without getting tired like I just had this like um, endless amount of energy so then I was like okay I guess I'll go try I did a couple like 5ks and stuff and did well and I did my so I tried a cross country race I got like fourth or something and it was like pretty good so I was like oh this is interesting I was I was like mad at myself because I'm like oh I got fourth I didn't win but everyone's like no 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 that's like really good really good like you did well you did really well I was like oh I don't know I never also got so nervous before competitions like never in soccer but then like in running I'm like oh I don't know if this is for me like I feel like I'm gonna throw up before every race (laughs) and I'm like and I'm not even you know this is like my first time doing it but um yeah so anyways i went through that entire cross-country season it went pretty well was playing soccer at the same time um but then i did track and i really loved track and from that point on um i was like worrying about getting injured in soccer games i was shying away from the ball because i was (laughs) thinking about track the whole time so i found that there was a lot more opportunity um in running for me to go d1 and um be the best and i honestly just kind of fell in love with it like I got, you know, the runner's high is real. <laughs> I really liked it. And I think for me, like, I tend to think I have a lot of energy and I need a fast paced sport. So I think running was, um, running was the way to go. And I've just been in love with it ever since. I love that. Going back to your, you know, you know, your soccer days, I also, I started running and playing soccer around the same time, but there was a point where I gave up soccer for running like you did. I'm curious, do you think you get any competitive edge from doing a competitive sport first before running because running is competitive but like you know as a fellow former soccer player that like soccer is brutal and like you really want to beat kids <laughs> so do you think you get any like competitive edge from playing soccer beforehand oh 100 percent. i think it made me so much tougher when it came to like cross country or track practice i think it made me so much more of a competitive person in general um no, for sure. I think there's a huge advantage to playing a competitive sport before go- getting into running. Um, I think it just teaches you so much of the mental side of running before you get into it. Um, I feel like a lot of the best girls in the country have started off from like a, from soccer or basketball or anything just because of the mental side of it. At what point did you go from merely participating in the sport to then like, okay, I'm actually going to put forward full effort and see if I can become one of the best in the country at this? 
Yeah, I would say as soon as I quit soccer in eighth grade, I went into um, like full-time running my freshman year. Um, I was at part of a really small Christian private school with not really much of a team, um, but I was in like the club circuit. So I had a, like, I jumped around so many different coaches, but um, I think I really just dedicated myself to the sport at the time. And then I really focused on it. Um, my freshman year of high school, I, I did really well. I made huge leaps. I ran like a 446, 1600 and uh, I don't even know for the 3200, <laughs> but yeah, pretty, pretty fast times right off the bat, made it to the state meet and um, podiumed. So I, I think that season opened to Arcadia, which made me really fall in love with running. So I think just going through that whole, um, all those processes and all those meets just made me really um, focused on the sport and kind of trying to search for the right training circuit for a long time. I don't think I found it till my junior year of high school, but despite all of that, I just loved the sport so much. It didn't really matter. What point in your high school years were you like, not only do I want to go to the NCAA and do this thing that I love, but like, I truly love this thing and want to see how far I can take it. Right. I think it was like sophomore year. We were allowed to the end of sophomore year. We were allowed to start getting like emails and stuff. And I honestly did not think the recruiting process was going to go like that. And how many, um, schools would reach out to me I'm like oh I didn't even know like an Ivy League could be a possibility <laughs> or like or then you get the other side of the spectrum like an SEC school like LSU like I was very open to all of the possibilities I did not know really necessarily what I wanted in a school but um yeah I think honestly when I just when I quit soccer in my freshman year of um of high school I just knew I wanted to pursue it uh in college as well and be as competitive as I could so at the end of your high school years, you were an incredibly accomplished athlete out of the state of California, as you mentioned. I'm forgetting your PRs. They're too fast for me to remember. I remember <laughs> you're like in the 430s. I want to say you broke 10 minutes. You were always one of the top runners in the state. And then you also like represented your state on the national stage at meets like Brooks PR, et cetera. When you think back to your high school years, is there a particular race or moment that stands out to you as being particularly memorable or a moment where you felt validated in all the hard work like it paid off? Right. I transferred high schools uh, midway through because I was just out of a coach at my previous school. And so I had to make a shift and I went to my public school, which is like two miles away from me. And I think there is where I had a huge mindset shift where I really understood how much work it was going to take to run fast times. I upped my mileage, upped the intensity um, in all my training and made me love the sport even more because I was just seeing these leaps I was making. And um, I think a race in particular, well, it was also COVID happening. So a lot of the meets I was running solo, uh, more like time trial efforts. But one of them where it just kind of came together was I ran like 9.52 at Laguna meet. Um, there was like no one in the stands, um, you know, because of they weren't allowed. But um, I just felt like all my fitness really came together. It didn't matter. I wanted to go chase after a time and I just kind of made it happen. And I think that was honestly a big turning point where if I wanted to go, if I wanted to do something, I just had to go out and do it. I didn't have to wait for anyone to make it happen for me. Um, I think that was one of the best, I guess, mental 
that was my best me going into it on like the mental side if that makes any sense no totally um, I've, I've had some meets where i've had so much fun like with my teammates like league finals and arcadia and all that but i think on the mental side of it um that meet i just think i really put it together and and grasped it one final question relating to your high school years if you could go back and have coffee or tea with your high school self what would be some things you'd want to discuss with high school mia or advise her in high school mia um i'm honestly the way i did it i I, i'm like i don't know looking back on it i'm happy with the way i approached my high school career i was pretty patient with myself i wasn't afraid to take risks but um i think if i could look back i would tell her just like it's gonna be all okay especially when like the pandemic hit it was really hard for me to stay motivated for training and you know like am i going to be able to still be one of the i don't know top girls in the country um so i would just probably tell her like it's all gonna work out you're gonna make it to college you're gonna do well just keep training put your head down and it's gonna be okay so i would just tell her to calm down (laughs) (laughs) so next up is virginia you ended up deciding to attend and compete for the university of virginia take me behind that decision and what made the school stand out that you know you wanted to go there over the ivy leagues the sec schools as you mentioned (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I was pretty uh, open-minded to what schools were reaching out to me. I had quite the list at the end. Like, I feel like there's usually a trend people follow, and they're like, final, whatever, four or five, mine was all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and I think that was largely due to, like, the Zoom uh, recruiting process. I couldn't go on official visits, so I just had to do everything based off the phone. But um, I did go and visit Virginia um, just on my own. And um, I thought it was a really charming school. Um, I knew Coach Finn Lanana had a really great record of coaching athletes. And um, they gave me um, a – I didn't even know what Virginia was before the recruiting process, to be quite honest. Like, I didn't even know that was a school. Um, But, you know, I think I just really built a great connection with Coach Nicole, who's no longer there but uh she was like the main one recruiting me and then vin and so i just went off of like phone calls and um i thought it was a pretty good deal i had there you know and um really liked the campus there was a lot of great girls going at the time like we had a really good strong recruiting class so uh, i got excited about it and i just kind of pulled the trigger and went to virginia (laughs) tried something new (laughs) This is a non-running question, but now that you're on the West Coast and you grew up on the West Coast, what are the biggest differences, in your opinion, between East Coast and West Coast? Oh, I would say the people for sure. Um, I would say it's like true, like the West Coast people are a little bit more laid back and chill. And then the East Coast people, I don't want to say uptight because they're not, but like, it's just different. You know what I'm saying? Um, So I would say definitely like the people are the biggest differences. for sure like that was definitely a little bit of a culture shock and not in a bad way it was like it was actually like really cool like i love like my east coast friends over there like they're great um but i would definitely say the people isn't it kind of unique and interesting how the u.s is so big that just depending on where you live or like what region like the people are genuinely like completely different oh yeah no for sure and also the language like i just didn't pick up that there would be like I'd obviously, like, I know there's, like, a southern accent, but, like, like a northeastern accent. I did not even think that would have been a thing and how 
um, now that I'm back here, I'm like, oh, I guess we all kind of do talk the same. <laughs> like, I just never really would have picked up on that if I didn't go over there. <laughs> so, Virginia, your first year, uh, you're going to speak on this in a second, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would consider mm-hmm. a very successful year. You ended up being the second ever Virginian, whatever they would say, um, uh, ACC Freshman of the Year um, in school history. And yeah, you did some remarkable things. So take me through that that first year at Virginia and some of the experiences and accomplishments you ended up doing. Yeah. So freshman year of Virginia, um, cross country season was quite rough. <laughs> we all, we were a pretty, I would say, young team. And with that, I feel like comes a lot of like the adjustment period of going to a new school and traveling across the country, or at least for me, but um, we all got quite sick, um, quite scrambling to get things going, but we were training pretty well. It was just, we couldn't mentally get our heads right when we got on the line and racing. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard when you're the top in your state doing so well to all of a sudden you're competing against the best girls in the country every single weekend like every single race in my freshman cross country season I would go out in the front not necessarily leading it but I would be like yep this is where I am and then I would just like fall back dramatically um but we got good training in and I think that translated well into the track season because um in track I had some very special memories there um indoor season that was a totally new thing for me um and I just right off the bat, I ran um, a 440. So I'm like, okay, I'm close to where I was. I'm like in the in the zone. And I think this is touching back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, I just stopped caring and stopped fixating on what shape I was in, what how I was feeling. It just became about racing against the bodies I was with. And that translated into some great times. So I went to Boston. I ran like a another like really great time another PR um and then from there that I got scratched into the national meet um and uh got to go to the national meet which was insane like going back to the question you asked earlier about um meets I would watch in high school and like dream about making that was one like I remember watching so many indoor national meets on YouTube and I just couldn't believe I was there in my uh freshman year and um also going back the acc the acc meet was so much fun um just being able to do like the dmr and the mile there's so much team camaraderie around it um we got like the school record at the time in the dmr which was super cool um again like like, i know my teammate she uh she was the mile leg and she had a cracked tailbone but was still able to train and she was still able to pull out of 433 1600 and Jeez. we were just going crazy and then um i i passed the baton in the lead for the 1200 and we were just like i don't know so very special memories at that meet but um and then yeah going back to the national meet um somehow made it to the final in this in the mile um led my entire led my entire heat um in the prelim just because i was like i have to go run a pr if i'm gonna make this and i made it in off of time but uh, yeah, so indoor was very special. Uh, I did not think I was going to enjoy indoor track as much as I did. I feel like there's such a stigma in California against indoor track. Like, oh, we don't know how to race it. But I actually find it so much fun. Um, and then outdoor, um, I would say my outdoor was okay. I had 
I ran a 411, which was good, and placed well in the ACC, decent in the ACC meet. But um, I don't know. I think I was having a really hard time. Um, like, it was such a long season for me. I think I was having a really hard time maintaining my momentum um, in the outdoor season. So um, I think that's where um, I'm excited about this year is I've, I've just kind of, like, spaced it out a lot better. But I am super grateful for my time at Virginia. I met some really close friends who I'm still in contact with to this day. Um, I'm super um, grateful for the opportunities I had to race so often. I think it taught me a lot about myself. And um, I think the whole move in general just made me a lot stronger of a person um, and a lot more independent. And um, and I think it, that whole move made it easier to come back and just, uh, start off on the right foot here at UCLA as well. One thing within your response there, you were talking about your freshman year cross-country season and how you went from, you know, being the best in your state or one of the best to then, like, being in the middle of the pack and, like, that kind yeah. of being a shock to the system. So can you maybe dive deeper into that element of how you handled that mentally and how you kind of got over the hump and adjustment of going from the middle of the pack and kind of adjusting to that? Yeah, I think it was just more like a moment of being real with myself and being real, like, okay, you're going to have to put in a lot more work <laughs> to be at the top of that level. Um, it's also just going to take time, truthfully. You know, I'm, I was quite young, so um, it's going to just take time and patience. And so um, I think how I got over that hump was I just stopped making it such a big deal in my mind and stopped worrying about it so much and just going into the races with a little bit more of a lighthearted attitude. I think honestly, it's kind of good when you're coming in and you're like, okay, I came in, I was really good in high school. I'm going to come in and do really well in cross country. And then to be knocked down a little bit, I think, you know, it helps you like look at it holistically. Like these are the best girls in the country. Um, you're going to have to put in either more work or you're just going to have to pay your dues and, t you know, keep racing and um, really take your time and be being patient with yourself. And I think that's something overall with like just how I view running is if you're going to make leaps, you have to be real with yourself and what it's going to take to do that and the progress and focusing on the process um, rather than outcomes. But at the same time, um, being patient with yourself when you are um going through that process because it's uh, you're going to go through lulls in your training where it hurts a lot or it's gonna you know what I'm saying or it's going to be um uh mentally harder than normal so I would say just being real but also um patient with the entire process yeah going more into that how crucial do you think patience is within this sport I think another word for patience that I like to use or speak on is delayed gratification where mm -hmm. it's putting in the work consistently and maybe not seeing the results right away, maybe still placing middle of the pack, but knowing that the work you're doing now and the day-to-day -day is going to influence outcomes down the road. Or like a good example of this podcast is like, it really took me two and a half years to see any sort of results with it, but I know I couldn't get those results without the first two and a half years where it seemed like that work wasn't going anywhere, but now that I've quote unquote made it, I'm like, oh, all that work contributed to where I'm at today. Yeah, for sure. Um, I yeah, I just think knowing that it's gonna turn turn out well at some time down the line is what really keeps me going. As long as you keep putting in the reps, and you keep doing what you're doing, it's gonna work out. And just really focusing on that, I think this indoor this past indoor season was a really good example of that. I 
was I didn't PR. I was hitting pretty much the same times I hit my freshman year. Um, I just hit so much, somewhat of a plateau. And, um, but then recently I just PR'd and ran a 410. So, but at the time I was like a little bit down on myself, but at the same time, I feel like I had this little voice in the back of my head, like your time is coming, your time is coming. Like you're going to have a breakout race soon. You're going to feel better. This is just like, um, a little, uh, uh, hump in your training. Um, I was adjusting to some new training. So I just had to keep just focusing on the plan, really buying into what my coach was saying. And that's what was really going to help me, um, get over that hump and then have another breakout race. So I just really think like there's so much to just keep going and being consistent and stacking seasons on seasons on top of each other and um, not getting too hyper fixated on not reaching. This is what's the other harmful part about goals, but to being too hyper fixated on the goals you didn't hit because then that's not going to do you anything, you know? So I just think focusing on the day by day, I'm, I'm also need to be preaching this to myself. I'm acting like I'm the best person in the world at this. This is, uh, I'm honestly being my own sports psychologist as I am saying this right now. No, I think I've definitely (laughs) noticed that with myself and with other people. It's like a lot of times you speak on the things that you yourself need to work on. And that's why I like you're speaking on them. So I I resonate with you (laughs) in saying, that. a lot of my like my like my dad for example like he's a very um big supporter in my running and my coaches like I'm also kind of just like preaching to you what they tell me <laughs> and like because they all kind of knew like a breakout time was coming so and when I was like going to them like oh my gosh what am I gonna do so I guess I would say that's another thing with patients is like going to your coaches being very communicative with them and um or like your supporters or your family who love you and build you up like because sometimes they see something see things that you don't see how important do you think that element of trust is, trust in yourself that, you know, you're going to have that breakthrough performance, even though it might not seem like it on face value or, you know, building up confidence, like one of my favorite quotes relating to confidence uh, that I'd be curious to get your thoughts on is you don't become confident by shouting affirmations at yourself in the mirror, but by having a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are, outwork yourself doubt. And I really like that, that, um, saying, because a lot of people are like, yeah, they shout at themselves in the mirror, like, I got this, (laughs) I can do this. And it's like, no, you don't become confident by like faking it up. You become confident Mm -hmm. by having that stack of undeniable proof, that stack of workout after workout, after training run, after long run, um, or whatever it might look like for you that like says, oh yeah, I can do this. Like I have a stack of undeniable proof that like, I can't fake myself out of this confidence because it's there and it's real. No, that's so true. Um, the races I feel the most excited are about are the ones where I had like really good workouts before and I just can reflect and go back on those rather than um, just, I don't know, like, like what you said, like, cause a lot of people will say, Oh, I had such a good mindset before the race. I'll even, I've said this multiple times, but then when it gets hard, you know, the mindset shifts. So I think you're so right. Like if you know, you have all the, all the um, work to back it up, then, yeah, you're going to be more conf- you're going to have this more internal confidence versus this fake confidence where you're just telling yourself like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. It's going to be you don't even really have to tell yourself that because like you just kind of know it's in you. Um, and when the race gets hard, you can just tell yourself like, you know, I've, I've done the work to back this up. So that's what I think is so important about um, like just training in general. Speaking of 
I'm going, you're, Mia, you've unlocked like the deep version of Dominic where he goes to the notes app on his phone with all my favorite quotes. <laughs> so we're getting deep and philosophical. But when you were talking about like starting a race and like kind of the fake confidence and like that internal dialogue that goes on within, one of my favorite quotes that I came across this past week, so I naturally have to bring it up on the podcast. Um, it's about kind of the internal dialogue. And I'm a big believer that the internal influences the external. And in order to influence the external, a lot of times you have to fix the internal and this quote plays yeah. into that. So the quote is, the most important conversation is the one you have with yourself. You wake up with it, walk around with it, and go to bed with it. Eventually, you act on it. You have to change the internal dialogue. What are your thoughts on that battle to work on your inner self-talk and positive self-talk so that you can influence the external results? And this goes way beyond running. Like This is a, a broader conversation because it's like you need – a positive mindset with anything in life. It, it does go beyond running. No, that's so true. Um, I think I'm going to go for the running aspect of this question. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about being real with yourself. Um, I think in order to have that strong inner dialogue, you can't, sometimes you have to make big leaps, you know, you have to take little risks and that could be an, an adjustment in your training. That could be in entering yourself into a different race, a different event. Um, so I think that being real with yourself and like leaps that you're going to need to take, um, are really what's going to help, um, unlock that. I don't know that strong inner dialogue, but again, also being patient with it. Cause it's not always super, um, easy. It's not an easy process to go through. So giving yourself the patience and forgiveness, if you're like bombing a workout or if you're bombing certain races, um, I think that's a very important aspect of it like the intrusive thoughts do come it's not like sometimes like before a race like i will literally just like all of a sudden like oh i'm gonna bomb it but then also being able to just recognize like no that's an intrusive thought you just had that's not like you know that's not real that's just you trying to like i don't know i like that's something i do often so i think just recognizing like whenever i do have those thoughts like no that's just i don't know that's just your weird mental dialogue but i think that's what's so important about the internal confidence we were talking about is you know you've put the work in so when the gun goes off just knowing that you you know your body knows what to do you know you had a plan going into it so when those thoughts come up it doesn't matter because you already had a plan going into it and you're just going to go and follow the race i think this was a great example in my past race that intrusive thought came up i was like oh my gosh i don't know what shape i'm in i'm going to go bomb it but then knowing in the back of my head, I had a plan for it. I'm going to go out with a pacer. I have done, I've gone out at what the pacer has gone, is going to go out in, in workouts, several workouts. So I know I can handle it. And so I think um, just being able to recognize when you are having those thoughts and bouncing them off of your um, coach or your family has been, that's been super crucial for me because then they're able to shut down when I am having those thoughts as well. I think it's about being aware and having a self-awareness about those thoughts and knowing that they're going to come and not freaking out yeah. when they do come and having the confidence to simply brush them away and kind of yeah. not entertain them. Like with anything right. in life, you're going to have those negative thoughts and they're going to pop up. You could be in the best shape of your life and those thoughts are still going to come up, but it's about not entertaining them and not thinking deeper into them. And instead, as you kind of were telling me and walking me through like, oh, that's just an intrusive thought. Like, let me let that go. Yeah. Like, that's the, the mindset to have. But funny enough, thinking back. knowing it happens every single race. Like, yeah, exactly. Part of the that's what I was just going to say. All my best races and all my PRs before the race, I have always at least once, whether it's the warm-up yeah. or warm-up drills or strides or standing on the line, thought, 
like, am I ready for, you know, a 70 point pace or am I ready to go out with X guy or, um, and, and that's just kind of the reality of how the human brain works. Like we just are thinking machines. So it's like, naturally you're going to have a few negative thoughts. Your body knows what to do. It's just so just knowing that your body knows what to do when the gun goes off is so important. (laughs) Exactly. Well, there's our philosophical deep dive, (laughs) getting, getting back on track. So this past cross country season, you ended up, you know, just bringing up one result. You ended up placing 44th at the 2022 NCAA cross country championships. You led your team to a ninth place finish. And then after the cross country season is when you ended up transferring to UCLA and you helped them have kind of a historic um, indoor season for the distance team. So bring me up to speed on all of that. Yeah. So cross country season, um, I would say I got a later start to it. I did the U20 worlds um, for the 1500. So I was primarily doing track training and then um, got back to Virginia and it was like, okay, go time. We're going to um, start building up the mileage again. So I got a later start to it for sure. But um, I think that season is kind of where I had my mindset shift of not being so fixated on times or anything. Cause I think my team just really needed me to score in this certain range, did not have to do anything special, just had to go and score in that certain range and just go out with my teammates and hang on to them. And um, I think that season was really important for me because um, you know, Virginia was in a spot where we could have contended in the ACCs for a top three finish. We did. We got third. And um, I remember Vin was like, oh, you need to go chase down these these UNC girls and we get third. And so I, I think – so then I went in, like, the final 400. I don't know what happened. I just, like, started sprinting. But um, so I think in that whole season, it just became taking myself out of it and just doing what I could for the team, you know, not focusing on having the race of my life where I had to go out with – Caitlin Tui and just hang on and then oh oh no all of a sudden I die and I fall back because I tried to have the race of my life for my own glory no it wasn't about that anymore it was about going and doing what I could and just being consistent at it and just scoring for my team um that became really huge um and I think a really good part about my cross-country season um that I really grasped in my sophomore year compared to my freshman year because my freshman year oh I can sure I'll go out with whoever and hang on for dear life and see what I can do (laughs) But I think it became a bigger a bigger conversation about focusing on team points um, and really just doing what I could for the team, recognizing what fitness I was in and where I could fall in line and just going in and just really doing a job. I think that was a big conversation that we had going into the national meet is we're not here to do anything special. We're just here to keep doing what we have been doing. We've been competing at Virginia. We were competing very well against whatever situation we were th- thrown against and I think really relying on your teammates was super super important and that's something I hope to really bring into the UCLA cross country season coming up is just really focusing on the team dynamic because I'm not I'm going to be real with you cross country is not my most favorite season (laughs) it's like quite hard for me but when I can like um, fall back on my teammates that's when it becomes a lot more fun and a lot more um, enjoyable for me. Speaking on running for something bigger than yourself, I think that has been a big shift I've seen in guests in their success is like they kind of take off when they like don't have not that like running for yourself is selfish because most of these kids and most of people like you who are as talented and hardworking as you, you get to a point in high school where you have to run for yourself and you have to make decisions surrounding your season of like, what meets can I best run the fastest time and things like that. But I feel like at a point in college, your mindset shifts from, you know, running for yourself 
yourself to running for something bigger than yourself. And that almost mindset can take you to the next level because then you're not so stressed out. And, you know, it's a very singular mindset when you're just running for yourself. And I feel like when you're deep into a race, it's a lot easier to dig when you're running for your family or running for your team or, you know, running for, you know, God, whatever it might be. So can you take me through that, that shift and how important to this day it is to you to run for something bigger than yourself? Oh, for sure. I think that carries me more in races than uh, whenever I run, when I'm run, whenever I run for myself, I, that's where I give myself the out, you know, like, oh, you don't have to finish hard here. You know what I'm saying? But when you're starting to realize you're running for a program, you're running for, you're running to glorify the Lord, you're running to glorify your family and all that they have invested in you. And, um, and also going back to like the team thing, like it hurts. So like cross country is not easy for me. Like it hurts so bad. Like I am, uh, I am definitely getting stronger and I think I will be a really good 5k to 6k runner coming up in the future. But at the time, like that hurt for me, I was in the well every single race, but I think having my teammates to fall back on was really, really key. And, um, I, think that was a huge jump for me was realizing I'm rep and now especially being at UCLA I'm representing not only myself but a city I love so much um a school that's always been like kind of glorified amongst like my family and family friends um and I have a really special opportunity to go run for this school um that is like a number one public school so I'm just gonna go and like and this is also happens like when I'm training like I think about that a lot like um, that's why I do it on the day to day. And when I don't want to go for a second run or if I don't want to go like really hammer a workout, you know, um, cause maybe it's like one where I'm doing it solo, you know, so it's harder, but, um, I think focusing on that really gives me the strength to keep going. And I think family's another huge part of it for me too. Like my family has been so invested, um, from my, with my running since day one. And so, um, I think also, running for them, not because like they pressure me to, but because I get to and because I love to, um, has really been key for me as well. And I just, yeah, whenever they come out to races, I get to like show all the hard work I've put in and um, also how much they've helped me to, um, to get there along the way. You've spoken a few times on how much the city of LA means to you and UCLA, you know, growing up, looking up to it. Take me through the decision to ultimately transfer to UCLA. Like my time at Virginia, I'm super grateful for it. And I had such a great time, I had great friends and coaching was amazing, but um, I kind of saw how UCLA was on the rise and I got really excited about it. Um, transferring had been a thought I'd had in my mind for a little bit. Um, I let my teammates all in the know about it. Um, I didn't overly communicate it because I didn't want to like bring down the team morale, but like whenever I was having a hard time being homesick at Virginia or anything like that, I'd bring it up. But when I saw that UCLA is kind of like making a shift, I was like, I think I could be a key uh, member in that. And that sounds really exciting. And I got really excited about it, you know, and I just had a good gut feeling that things were good things were going to happen if I made that leap. So it's not, it's not so much like clear on paper, like why I made this move. It was more just of like a gut decision. And I think it would have been really almost like for my brand as a runner or my career, like 
more of that kind of move. Like I would love to go and be um, represent Los Angeles where I grew up and make, cause right now it's just like, I feel like Stanford's kind of like the top running school in California, but I feel like it could be cool if there's another one. And in Southern California, cause there's also so much talent that comes out of Southern California. So I feel like it was, um, just like a really special new opportunity that I just saw and I decided to take. So looking ahead to this season, which we're kind of in the middle of, it's all, it's already kicked off. <laughs> what are your goals for this season? Or, you know, I don't even like saying like goals, but like yeah. things you're looking to do or even like excited to do, like what are some of the experiences you're looking forward to? Uh, and it doesn't even have to be like a race. It could be, you know, a training run, a workout. Like what are some of the experiences you're looking forward to having over the coming months? Yeah, um, this weekend actually is our USC versus UCLA home meet, which will be fun. I'm not really racing that though. I'm kind of doing like some pacing duties at it. Um, and like, I'm gonna try to score in the 1500, but also at the same t- time, like pace my teammates to get a regional time. But that's gonna be really fun. Cause I've heard that like, there's a, obviously there's like a huge rivalry between UCLA and USC. So I'm excited to go and just like witness that. and. Um, be a part of it like today like our team was like handing out flyers to all the athletes and saying like come watch um our meet so i'm excited to just like see what that's about um and but see the rivalry because i heard it's it's pretty good i was i saw i got to witness the virginia virginia tech and now i get to see the usc ucla <laughs> um beef but I've, I've known it's been there for a while growing up and stuff especially with football but um which is funny because my dad was a usc fan but now he's ucla there you go there you go but yeah, so I'm excited about that. I am also have a sound running meet coming up where I'll be doing the 1500, which I am so stoked about. I am running with um, a couple of pros um, who have all run like sub 410, and I'm really excited to see what I can do with that. I've had some really exciting workouts recently that ones that like I never really believed were possible to do in a workout so I'm excited to see how that's going to translate over into that race um and if it doesn't it's fine it's just it'll you know it's an unfamiliar racing environment to be around so many girls that fast so uh, but I I think I'm going to be able to handle it pretty well I'm excited about it um and then um conference I'm really excited for conference too I think I'm going to be in a whole new conference this year, but girls who I'm pretty familiar with. And um, I just think it's going to be a good time. See how many points I can um, get for the Bruins. I am planning to just do the 15. We might sneak me into the 5k. We don't know for sure. We don't want to like um, tire me out or anything, but um, I would love to go for the win in the 1500. See if I can do that. Um, I think I'm in pretty good shape too. just have to put it together on the race day. Um, and then obviously the goal is always to make it to nationals, see how far I can go and, um, you know, try my best to win it, but obviously just try to have a great race overall and make sure I execute, um, whatever plan my coach gives me there. So yeah, I'm excited for this season. Oh, I'm also planning to probably do an 800 after that because there's not really an opportunity to this season. (laughs) One final serious question for you. What is one message you want to leave with our audience today? Yeah, just have, okay, cliche, but just have fun with the sport. Um, Enjoy the camaraderie with your teammates. Um, Really rely on them. Rely on your family. Um, Don't don't be afraid to embrace the hardships that come with it, but then also keep it lighthearted and fun. Um, And, like, 
really cherish the memories that you have along the way. Cause I feel like running has just opened so many doors for me with just friendships and um, experiences that I would have never had otherwise. So I just think embracing it with a positive attitude and while yes, it's hard, but also realizing the opportunities that come along the way from it um, and just really appreciating the sport and being grateful for where you're at is um, super important. And also like appreciating um, the people who have helped you get there along the way. Um, the coaches that you've had all the way back into your high school career who really like lighted something in you or um, or your college coaches who really believed in you or really challenged you. I think just being appreciative of all the opportunities and people who have pushed you along the way and realizing how much it has taken outside of yourself to get to where you are um, to this day. Because yes, it, as runners, we put in so much work, but uh, it's also the people outside um, who do a lot of it too. And uh, the people who care that also just really build you up as a runner and as a person. I love that. <laughs> I love this interview. So one, one final fun question for you. The question I ask every guest on the show to top off every episode. If you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? Oh, shoot. Oh, man. Well, my brain first goes to, like, what I can make, which is <laughs> salmon and... That's fancy. Yeah, okay, but that's the problem, because it's fancy. So then he's going to have, like, a lot High of... expectations. Fun. He probably makes salmon a lot, and he probably makes it way better than I ever will, because I'm probably looking up the Google, like, how to make salmon <laughs> 15 minutes recipe <laughs> that's that's the extent of that i know so i would actually probably simplify it and say i'm gonna make him a smoothie bowl a smoothie bowl or, okay because when do you think gordon's ramsey's had a smoothie bowl last i don't, I don't know. know probably not recently this is the big brain ucla <laughs> education coming in coming in handy i just had a pretty good one before this so i can think that's also where my brain is going <laughs> well, but yeah i love so that probably not had one well mia it's been an absolute pleasure getting on the podcast the last 20 minutes my brain has just been like there's so much more i want to ask her but we should probably wrap up because we've been talking for a while so i'll definitely have to get you back on the podcast and appreciate you no, doing this, this. So yes thank you so much for having me awesome Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted, and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review, and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out. Generally, we release two to three episodes per week, so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly. I hope you're running and life is going well. Guys, keep chasing mastery, and I will catch you in next episode.